1: the wisest
2: person I ever met in my life. A third grade dropouts. Wisest and dropout in the same sentence is rather oxymoronic. Like jumbo shrimp. Mm Mm-hmm. Like fun run, ain't nothing fun about it. Like Microsoft works, y'all don't hear me. I used to say like country music, but I've lived in Texas so long, I, I love country music now. I, back, yeah. I hunt. I fish. I have cowboy boots and cowboy. Y'all, I'm a blackneck redneck. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? No longer oxymoronic for me to say country music, and it's not oxymoronic for me to say third grade and dropout. That third grade dropout, the wisest person I ever met in my life, who taught me to combine knowledge and wisdom to make an impact was my father. A simple cook, wisest man I ever met in my life. Just a simple cook, left school in the third grade to help out on the family farm, but just because he left school doesn't mean his education stopped. Mark Twain once said, I've never allowed my schooling to get in the way of my education. My father taught himself how to read, taught himself how to write, decided in the midst of Jim Crowism, as America was breathing the last gasp of the Civil War, my father decided he was gonna stand and be a man. Not a black man, not a brown man, not a white man, but a man. He literally challenged himself to be the best that he could all the days of his life. I have four degrees. My brother is a judge. We're not the smartest ones in our family. It's a third grade dropout daddy, a third grade dropout daddy who was quoting Michelangelo saying to us, boys, I won't have a problem if you aim high and miss but I'm gonna have a real issue if you aim low and hit. A country mother quoting Henry Ford, saying if you think you can or if you think you can't, you're right. I learned that from a third grade drop. Simple lessons, lessons like these. Son, you'd rather be an hour early than a minute late. We never knew what time it was at my house because the clocks were always ahead. My mother said for nearly 30 years, my father left the house at 3.45 in the morning. One day she asked him, why daddy? He said, maybe one of my boys will catch me in the act of excellence. I want to share two things with you. Aristotle said, you are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Don't ever forget that. I know you're tough, but always remember to be kind, always. Don't ever forget that. Never embarrass mama. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If daddy ain't happy, don't nobody care, but you know. I tell you. Next lesson. Lesson from a cook over there in the galley. Son, make sure your servant's towel is bigger than your ego. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Y'all might have a relative in mind you wanna send that to, let me say it again. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Pride is the burden of a foolish person. John Wooden coached basketball at UCLA for a living but his calling was to impact people. And with all those national championships, guess what he was found doing in the middle of the week? Going into the cupboard, grabbing a broom, and sweeping his own gym floor. You wanna make an impact? Find your broom. Every day of your life, you find your broom. You grow your influence that way. That way you're attracting people so that you can impact them. Final lesson, son, If you're going to do a job, do it right. I've always been told how average I can be. Always been criticized about being average, but I want to tell you something, I stand here before you, before all of these people, not listening to those words, but telling myself every single day to shoot for the stars to be the best that I can be. Good enough isn't good enough if it can be better, and better isn't good enough if it can be best. Let me close with a very personal story that I think will bring all this into focus. Wisdom will come to you in the unlikeliest of sources, a lot of times through failure. When you hit rock bottom, remember this, while you're struggling, rock bottom can also be a great foundation on which to build and on which to grow. I'm not worried that you'll be successful. I'm worried that you won't fail from time to time. person that gets up off the canvas and keeps growing, that's the person that will continue to grow their influence. Back in the 70s, to help me make this point, let me introduce you to someone. I met the finest woman I'd ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Back in my day, we would have called her a brick house. This woman was the finest woman I'd ever seen in my life. There's just one little problem. Back then, ladies didn't like big old linemen. The blind side hadn't come out yet. (laughs) They like quarterbacks and running backs. We're at this dance, and I find out her name is Trina Williams from Lompoc, California. And and we were all dancing and we're just excited. And I decide in the middle of dancing with her that I would ask her for her phone number. Trina was the only woman in college who gave me her real telephone number. (laughs) The next day, we walk to Basket and Robin's ice cream parlor. My friends couldn't believe it. This has been 40 years ago, and my friends still can't believe it. We go on a second date, and a third date, and a fourth date. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. We drive from Chico to Vallejo so that she could meet my parents. My father meets her. My daddy, my hero, he meets her pulls me to the side and says, is she psycho? But anyway, we go together for a year, two years, three years, four years. By now, Trina's a senior in college. I'm still a freshman, but I'm working some things out. I'm so glad I graduated in four terms. Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan. So now it's time to propose. So I talked to her girlfriends and it's California. It's in the seventies. So it has to be outside, have to have a candle and you have to have, you know, some chocolate. Listen, I'm from the hood. I had a bottle of Boone's farm wine. That's what I had. (laughs) She said, yes, that was the key. I married the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my life. Y'all ever been to a wedding? And even before the wedding starts, you hear this. How in the world? (laughs) And it was coming from my side of the family! (laughs) We get married, we have a few children. Our lives are great. One day, Trina finds a lump in her left breast. Breast cancer. Six years after that diagnosis, me and my two little boys walked up to mommy's casket. And for two years, my heart didn't beat. If it wasn't for my faith in God, I wouldn't be standing here today. If it wasn't for those two little boys, there would have been no reason for which to go on. I was completely lost. That was rock bottom. You know what sustained me? The wisdom of a third grade dropout. The wisdom of a simple cook. We're at the casket. I'd never seen my dad cry. But this time I saw my dad cry, that was his daughter. Trina was his daughter, not his daughter-in-law. And I'm right behind my father about to see her for the last time on this earth. And my father shared three words with me that changed my life right there at the casket. It would be the last lesson he would ever teach me. He said, son, just stand. You keep standing. No matter how rough the sea, you keep standing. And I'm not talking about just water. You keep standing no matter what you don't give up. And as clearly as I'm talking to you today, these were some of her last words to me. She looked me in the eye and she said, it doesn't matter to me any longer how long I live. What matters to me most is how I live. I asked y'all one question, a question that I was asked all my life by a third grade dropout. How you living? How you living? Every day ask yourself that question, how you you living? Here's what a cook would suggest you to live this way, that you would not judge, that you would show up early, that you'd be kind, that you'd make sure that that servant's town is huge and used, that if you're gonna do something, you do it the right way. That cook would tell you this, that it's never wrong to do the right thing, that how you do anything is how you do everything. And in that way, you will grow your influence to make an impact. In that way, you will honor all those who have gone before you, who have invested in you. Look in those unlikeliest places for wisdom. Enhance your life every day by seeking that wisdom and asking yourself every night, how am I living? May God richly bless y'all. Thank you for having me.
1: What's up, Rebels? My goodness, this, I am so excited for this podcast today. I've been waiting for this podcast. This is so much fun. There's so much gold, so much fun. This is lessons from a third grade dropout. I'm telling you, you may have heard that from the video on YouTube, hundreds of millions of views. We've got Dr. Rick Rigsby on the broadcast today, and he is a gold mine. I'm telling you, gold. And he's on fire. The whole podcast, he's on fire. Oh, it's so good. This podcast is brought to you by Save the Storks at Savestorks.com, my favorite pro life organization, and Blinkist, Blinkist.com slash Rebel Parenting, B L I N K I S T. Dr. Rick Rigsby, Oh my goodness, if you've not seen the YouTube video, you're probably one of the hundreds of millions of people that has, but if you haven't, I include the audio right in the beginning so you, that you're in context when we talk about certain things, and it is inspiring. I've watched it so many times. It is fantastic. You're going to love this. Let's just jump into it. Here is Dr. Rick Grigsby on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. What's up, Rebels? So glad to have you with us today today. I'm telling you, we've been talking for a while, and we have an amazing guest on Mm -hmm. today. I hope you came early. I hope you watched the YouTube video that we posted up on the top. The wisest person I ever met in my life. A third grade dropout from Dr. Rick Rigsby. Mm -hmm. Doctor, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We appreciate it.
3: Oh, Ryan and Laura, you have no idea how thrilled I am to be with y'all.
1: Oh, we're so excited. Thank you. By the way... I'm assuming virtually every listener we have has seen your video. It's been viewed almost, if not more, than 250 million times. And it's such a positive message. It's got, Mm -hmm. there is so much. Like, I watched it again this morning, and I found a bunch of new stuff that I wanted to ask you about. But I want to start with, Dr. Risby, you've been speaking for over 30 years. You've been doing this for a long time. What, though, is it like... To have a sensation like this, where I mean, you got to get stopped. All I mean, do people are they? You know, is it when they hear your voice? Is it when they see you? At what point do most people go? Oh, hey, are you the guy from? Is that you? Are you the third <laughs> is grade? That dro- the is one? that like? Wh- how do you feel about that?
3: You know what's funny is I thought I knew how to handle things mm. because I started my career back in the seventies. Uh, In Northern California on television, but that was real regional. That was just Mm. a portion, a small portion of Northern California. These days, people will look at you in the face and they'll look twice. But then when they hear the voice, that combination Mm -hmm. really takes Mm. them to the video. And what's been unbelievably humbling is to listen to their stories You know, Laura, Ryan, everybody has a story. And if you haven't gone through something, just hold on, right? Mm. And (laughs) I think my story is such that you can overcome uh, Mm. the worst days of your life. Mm. You can breathe again. You can go on. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can endure. All things are possible with Christ. And so I am humbled beyond measure. And then I do my very best to just try to listen to the stories that people share. It's every day, it's all day, it's seven days a week, and I absolutely love it. Wow.
2: That's awesome. That is amazing. Can I tell you why? Mm -hmm.
3: I remember after Trina passed away, Mm. hypothetically, I would go to a coliseum to hear Ryan and Laura speak about Rebel Parenting, an awesome, awesome podcast. And I would be up in the third balcony, third deck, After the presentation, if I could just get close to you guys, I wouldn't have to talk to you. I wouldn't even have to meet you. But if I could just see some hope in your eyes, Mm. I would think maybe there was some hope for me. And I have never gotten over that. Mm. I've never gotten over it. So everywhere I go, the second I'm recognized, it's no longer about me, Mm. but it's about Christ, the hope of glory.
1: Amen. That's right. And your message does have such a message of hope because... Mm -hmm. You know, we are in a different time in 2019. Like I haven't done this in a while, but my grandpa dropped out of school in the seventh grade, worked in the coal mine to take care of his 12 brothers and sisters because his alcoholic dad wouldn't after his wife passed away. You know, he never talked about not being loved or hugged or not going to school or not getting to go to dances. He then was in the CCCs during the Depression, then went into World War II in the Navy, got bombed, came back, Mm -hmm. met my grandma. You know, it was a different era. And in this era of social media, of safety, you know, there's no chance I'm going to go through that situation. I have a very, very safe life. And so feelings really come up more and more, and we need hope. The media and the news is negative all day long. I watched Joan Collins today, and the interviewer kept asking her question after question that was like, well, why do you do this? And it was just negative. She took her mic off and just said, you have no business interviewing anybody. I bring people joy. (laughs) So it's gotta really be an interesting thing to bring so many people hope Mm -hmm. on a regular basis.
3: It really is because you hit the nail right on the head. We live in such a challenging time mm. with so much divide all throughout the globe. And what I have discovered in my travels is that people feel stuck. Many people feel there's no hope, there's no need for which to hope. I felt that way. I remember talking Ugh. to the wisest man I ever met in my life, a third grade dropout daddy. And he, I told him once, right after my first wife had passed away, I said, daddy, I've lost hope. Mm. Guess what he said? He said, son, you can't lose something God gave you. Oh, come on, y'all. You can't lose something. He said, what you've lost is perspective. And so I really believe with all my heart that I was placed on this earth to give people hope. I believe it with all my heart. And you know what? The first 40 years of my life, I made life so much about me, I didn't see God's assignment for me. Mm -hmm. And I was a preacher. I was a preacher, but I made everything about me. I mean, I'm styling and profiling, baby. I'm rolling. Big Daddy is rolling, and I got nothing to show for it. (laughs) Mm. It wasn't until the casket of a wife that I discovered my purpose for being born. Mm. It's to give people the hope of Jesus.
0: Wow. You talked about a little bit when your first wife had passed about the hopelessness. And I know there's people listening that have lost a spouse and are in the depth of despair. Mm -hmm. So how do you encourage them to stand and continue standing in that?
3: Well, that is a great question, Laura. So I meet this brick house, as Lionel Richie would say. (laughs) By the way, Lionel saw the the video and invited us to his home to give this speech because brick house was a song that he wrote uh, while he was with the Commodores. And so uh, that was way back in the day, but oh, it's still on chills. my playlist.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I went to Lionel too. Richie's house and got to give Ow. the message of hope. Ow. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Ow. That's
3: awesome.
0: Oh, oh,
3: this is the best radio show I've done. I'll tell you, I love y'all. <laughs> oh, my so, goodness. Anyway, it's back in the 70s, and I meet the finest woman I've ever met. Fell in love with her proposed to my shock she says yes and we get married we begin our careers in a little town called chico california Mm, which is way up in the north state and i start in television market size 139 channel 12 and we get married get saved get planted in a local church but i make life about me i make Mm -hmm. life all about me i was a pretty good dad pretty good husband probably uh, what you would call a fraudulent Christian mm. styled and profiled on Sunday, but made life about me Monday through Saturday. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would reduce God's word to little nuggets that I could manage so that I could serve God on my terms, which was pretty much to advance my own agenda. You know, that kind of Christian, yep. Yep. not yep. like many. Years. Yep. Yep. And so <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we have a couple of boys. Life is great. All of a sudden Trina gets diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. And after battling for six years, She goes home to be with the Lord. And I'm devastated. I am mad at God. By the way, let me just tell any of your listeners, God can handle you being mad at him. (laughs) Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you. He's so much bigger than your
1: anger. He's bigger than your questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You better
3: preach, boy. Mm. He's a big God, and he can deal with that. You know what's interesting, Ryan? I was shaking a fist with one hand and holding as tight as I could with the other yeah.
0: hand, mm-hmm. but
3: Laura, to get back to your point, And so here I am, I'm 40 years old. I love Jesus. I'm a pastor and I'm mad at God and I'm mad at Trina for abandoning us. Mm. Yep. And not only that, I have the stark reality of looking into the eyes of two little boys mm. and realizing I can no longer make life about me. These boys need a daddy and a mama. And so I had to grow up real quick, but I had lost hope. Up until then, everything I touched had turned to gold. Everything. I thought that I was God's favorite child. <laughs> and what I realize now is we all are. Yeah. And that pain is a necessary part of growing, right? Yeah. But I didn't realize it at the time I had lost complete hope. Getting to your point, Laura, I just said, God, I can't go on. I can't put one foot in front of the other. I felt as though God said to me, do you trust me?
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: I remember saying, I don't like you right now. I love you. Doesn't, it sound, like, doesn't it sound like husbands and wives. I love you. <laughs> I don't like you right now, but I do trust you.
0: Amen. And this is
3: right. what I heard God say this in my heart. If you trust me, I will take your pain and I will use it for my glory as you give hope all over the world. Mm. And I talked to my dad and I said, Daddy, this sounds so crazy, but how can I give something that I don't have? And I want you listeners out there in Radioland to listen to me, not just in Radioland, but the podcast folks, the streamers, all y'all listen to me. My father said something so profound. He said, son, you haven't lost hope you've lost perspective. Mm. Most of the people, Laura, that I encounter that say they have no hope, if you're breathing, you still have hope. Yeah. If you are breathing, you still have hope. You've just Mm. dislocated that hope. And so my response, my short response is this, it takes some time of soul searching. For me, anger, frustration, fear, Mm -hmm. disappointment, To eventually return to God. And I would encourage your listeners to don't short circuit that. We Mm -hmm. live in such a shallow, superficial society that we want to struggle, doggone it, and we want to struggle for 20 minutes and then we want to get instantly healed. (laughs) Are are you kidding me? Are you
1: freaking kidding me? We want to Amazon Prime our healing.
0: (laughs) Amazon Prime. Come on,
3: brother that's right so when we look at abraham just because it takes us 15 minutes to read uh those chapters in genesis we think that his struggle was short oh no Mm. years and Mm. and years years and years and so my father kept reminding me you haven't lost that which god gave you what you've lost is perspective and i remember the turning point it was probably six months in when I realized that Trina wasn't coming back, mm-hmm. by the way, if you've lost, you don't think logically, you don't yeah. think theologically. Nope, for That's sure. right. I begged yeah. her to come back, crying myself to sleep every night with mm-hmm. my kids in my bed. Mm-hmm. My kids laying next to me crying. We just Our lives were no longer the same. And I remember one night saying, God, I give up. I can't do it. That was the turning point.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Jesus says it like this. If anyone wishes to come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. Ryan and Laura, I had no idea what that meant until the worst days of my life. And it's at the worst days of your life that you, when you deny yourself and take up his cross and follow him, that you begin to live on a level that I had never experienced in 40 years of making life about me. I'm sorry for getting emotional, but I just have to tell the folks that if you feel that you have no hope, get to the end of your rope. Mm. Get down, stretch out, and say, I can't do it
0: yep. yes. any longer. Yes. And
3: I'll tell you something, that's when, you remember how Peter was thinking and he said, Jesus, save me,
0: mm-hmm. lift
3: me up, Jesus. That's when God does his absolute best work, mm-hmm. when we are stretched out on the floor, ready to die ourselves, because Trina's not coming back, life's not getting any better, you feel like hell, forgive me for saying it that way, but you just, you're messed up. Yep. Yeah. And listen to the word feel. You feel like you have no hope. Yeah. And so I started to realize that up to that point, I had led my life based on how I felt. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Feelings will lie to you. Feelings will deceive you. The reality is, God's reality is, as long as you're breathing, you have hope. And I had lost perspective. And when I completely surrendered was the day that I allowed God to come back into my heart. Mm. I'm going to say that again. That's the day I allowed God to come back into my heart. It is quite possible for feelings, and agendas to push God out of a Christian's heart. That's powerful. I mean, he never leaves your heart. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah of I, totally. My whole deal, I pushed him out at arm's length so I could do my thing, yep. yeah. as James Brown would say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so true. And I think in our culture today, it is so feelings focused. I keep listening to a guy speak, yeah. and he says, Most people don't care how you feel, but everyone right. cares how you act.
3: That's a good, wow. Good point. Well stated. Who said that?
1: Oh, I think it's Jordan Peterson, but I could be totally, it could be Ben Shapiro, it could be Jordan I don't know, but I keep hearing it. And it keeps coming back to me over and over whoever again. Whoever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I said it. What are you talking about? That was me. I came up with that this morning. <laughs> As Ryan used to say. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the truth, though. Your kids do care how you feel. They did care how you feel. And... Yeah. They cared more about how you were acting. They needed dad in their life. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Save the Storks. Save the Storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy, and that's my story. I was an unplanned pregnancy. My birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle, and a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her Carry me all the way to fruition, and then helped adopt me into my family. And Save the Storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses, providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat. Over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses. Please support Save the Storks with your prayers and visit savethestorks.com to become a monthly sponsor. Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit SaveTheStorks.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? You keep going back talking to your dad, which I find so fascinating and interesting. When did you know, when did it dawn on you how wise your dad was? Was that an always thing or did that come through hardships and trials?
3: Oh, what a great question. It was not an always thing. I used to roll my eyes growing up.
1: (laughs) Uh,
0: Oh, thanks for being honest. Thank you
3: so much. Yes, Lord. He was the dumbest man on the face of the earth growing up. (laughs) You know, he'd want to talk philosophy. I'm trying to watch Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how a three-hour tour turned into a nightmare. Mm. But anyway... I remember growing up and I would just go, if I have to hear one more quote, I mean, I'm hearing this third grade dropout, quoting Michelangelo, saying things like Ricky, I'm not going to have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I'm going to have a real issue if you aim low and hit.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Ricky,
3: kind deeds are never lost. Don't judge folks, son. No one is beneath you. Mm. Love everybody without expecting to be loved in return. And I mean, he's just telling me these things and I'm going hmm, to myself. Go to college, uh, they're still in my heart. They're still in my spirit. Yeah. But, Ryan, to your point, they kick in at the unlikeliest of places, a funeral home. Mm -hmm. The last lesson my father would teach me was at Trina's casket. He would die a year later. Three simple words. Three words represented the semester's curriculum. The words were these. Son, just stand. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment that I realized that there was a wealth of wisdom. There was a depth to him. Because I, with just saying three words, Laura and Ryan, Mm -hmm. I knew what he was saying. Don't quit, son. Mm -hmm. Don't give up, son. Those boys need to see some hope in your eyes. At his bedside a year later as he was going home. By the way, he taught me how to die. I asked him, I said, Daddy, are you scared? He goes, are you kidding me? He says, I'm ready to go see my Lord. He says, I've had a great wife and two great boys. Now, Ricky, you carry on. Mm. He was teaching me how to die. But at his bedside, he said to me, I had to place a demand upon you at the casket. I had to know that everything I had put in you would rise up in you at that moment. Because I knew that in your flesh, you wanted to quit and give up. I said, I did, Daddy. And it was, Ryan, to your point, it was at that point, I realized... This man is wise beyond words. I want you both to think of your parents right now. I want you both to think of your grandparents. I want those listening to think of their parents and grandparents. It's amazing sometimes how few words they needed to communicate a lifetime of messages. Yes. And that, that generation didn't talk a lot. Ryan, your dad's 83. My dad, if he was alive, he'd be in his 90s. That, that generation, they didn't say much, but what they said... Powerful, yep. yeah. and it wasn't until rock bottom that I'm now ready to listen.
0: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true for most people listening. I think you yeah. know when we hit despair and we hit that rock bottom, we finally get willing to surrender and listen to other people, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. those who have gone before us.
1: Mm. Definitely, that's
3: true. The, you know, first forty years of my life, I'm not listening. I'm pretty Ricky, baby. For I'm sure. on television. <laughs> Amen. I'm, come on now. Yeah, baby, I'm uh, rolling. Totally.
0: You know?
3: And So I don't need my daddy's wisdom. Look at the parallel. Think about how many parents are in a shallow, superficial society, and things are going well. And you push Jesus. I met one the other day. You just push Jesus to arm's length, mm-hmm. so you offer the appearance of Christianity. Mm-hmm. But as Craig Groeschel so graphically said, you're fraudulent in your Christianity. He says, we love the Lord. We just live as though he doesn't exist. Yep. And I, that was me. And you want to hear the irony of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would preach Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, right? Mm. And boy, I was the chief of sinners. So now I want to tell you this. How could the worst days of my life be the best days? Yeah. It's because when I completely surrender, I'm getting a sense of my father's wisdom, while at the same time being overhauled by my Heavenly Father, Mm -hmm. I guess this is the best way I could say it. For 40 years, I went to the altar saying, "God, make me a better version of myself, fix something." Uh, And in an instant, uh... in an instant, I started going to the altar saying, "Father, I'm here for you to break me."
1: Whoa, man, that is a deep one. That's a big prayer. You know, I got to ask you about that. You talk about ego. In your speech, the one that we aired in the yeah. beginning. Talk about ego. How do we teach our kids today in an era of feelings and ego to fail and then get back up again and accept their failures? You know, it's you know, you talk Excellent about ego question. where it's it's never my fault. You know, Lincoln plays video games and early on in his video game career, he would blame quote unquote hackers whenever he would lose. And I would say, I finally just said, Lincoln, it's amazing that you never lose because you're not the best player. It's always someone else cheating. And I said, if the problem is never in the mirror, you're never going to grow. And, you know, now it's rare that the hacker is out there cheating and he's gotten better and better at it. But how do we teach our kids to fail and recognize, hey, you know what? That was my fault. I failed. I didn't hold up my bargain. I didn't do whatever it was, you know, and then to get back up again.
3: That is an excellent question, and I'm going to merge two thoughts together. Mm -hmm. I'm going to merge a modeling thought with extreme ownership thought. So that is an excellent, excellent question. First, the modeling thought. Harvard Business Review, September, I believe it's around 2004. The article was titled Deep Smarts. Here's the thesis. Lecturing, what our universities are based upon is the worst kind of teaching method that if you want to get the, intended, isn't that the truth? Yes. If you know, I was a college professor for 25 years and I I really saw this and I had to change my teaching. If you wanted to get the intended message across model, the behavior parents, what are you modeling to those kids Mm -hmm. now? Watch this. And this gets to the heart of what you're saying, Ryan. I just read a book that ate my lunch. I don't get paid a penny for saying this, the book is titled Extreme Ownership, How the Navy SEALs Lead and Win. Jocko Here's Willink. the thesis.
1: Come on,
2: baby. I love him. <laughs> He's been on the program. He came on Rebel Parenting.
1: Team. I tell you Man, what. I'm Listen, so glad to hear this. I got to tell you, too. So, I'm such a huge Jocko fan. I've read the books. I yeah. read the kid's book, um, Way of the Warrior Kid to my kid. We had him on. I had all these questions about his I am a nerd. I am deep into Jocko. I had so many questions He said hello, I became instantly intimidated. I didn't ask any private personal question. I didn't ask, I stuck straight to the script. I didn't vary one iota, I was so He was like, this is Jocko, and I was like, oh my goodness, it's Jocko, I can't believe. it." I was a terrified kid. My producer and my wife teased me so bad after that broadcast, they were like, I can't believe you were nervous the whole time. I was like, yes, I was nervous. The, I was afraid he's going to jump out of my phone. Like, why didn't you get up at 4.30 and work out this morning? Why don't you take pictures of the calluses on your head? Why are you not pay, taking pictures of the sweat on your floor every single morning for work? I thought I would die when he was on the program. Yeah. I love that you're into him. Oh, he is the best.
3: Ryan, I think I have a man crush on you,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So listen That's to this
3: adorable. and tell me if you and I aren't in the same vein. I read this book over Christmas. I got to repent. You remember, listeners, just one chapter is worth it. No such thing as bad teams, just bad leaders. Mm. Anyway, Mm. I start putting my staff through it. And we are just blown away. We read a chapter a month at a staff meeting. But guess what? Talk about parenting and talk about modeling and talk about being an effective spouse. I don't know why husbands are like this. Maybe I'm the only one. But when something breaks down at home, I'm looking for my wife to blame. How come you <laughs> didn't go to the cleaners? I told you to go to the cleaners. How come, girl, what's wrong with you? I don't stutter. What do you need me to do? Text you and tell you? <laughs>
0: Text you. Now,
3: guess what? Oh, do you all hear what I'm saying? Yes. To yes. Oh, yeah.
1: I, I don't guess have any idea what you're talking about, Dr. Rigsby. I've never done that like that. <laughs> I sure do. I never see the dog pee on the floor and look where my wife is, why it hasn't been cleaned up. Oh, yeah, never. Goodness <laughs> gracious. I'm so red right now, I match my shirt. Ugh.
3: Oh, my gosh. And so, listeners, here's what I've been telling people all over the world. I credit the book, and I tell them this. Navy SEALs don't make excuses, and Navy SEALs don't shift blame. Mm. go one week without doing that. It has changed everything now Mm. for our purposes. What if we modeled ownership as parents? Yes. This is what would happen. We would eliminate words like, I'm sorry, and we would say what it really is. I'm wrong here. And I'm going to take ownership of everything I do and not talk about it. I'm going to model it. Mm. Do y'all remember in the book mm. when weather scrubbed a mission and Jocko's response to his CEO was, it's my fault, sir. I didn't plan a contingency plan for bad weather. Mm. What if we parent it like that? Mm. Yes. What if Goodness. we were spouses that way? Yep. What if we were Christians that way? Mm. I mean, There's so many biblical parallels to this book. It's unbelievable. So to answer your question, the way how we infuse Deuteronomy 6-4 into those kids is that we model it. Let me give you a parallel. Mm -hmm. I go all over the world, and I teach people effective communication. Fifty percent of what you hear, you forget just like that. Of The remaining 50 percent, you lose 38 percent over the next 24 hours. We're not trained to listen. And instead of blaming other people for not listening, why don't we take ownership? Uh, well, this is what I mean. Give people a reason for which to listen. Yes. Uh-oh. That shifts the power, yep. right? Now, all of a sudden, I need to make sure that I'm assuming ownership to give you a reason to listen. Parents, Rick Rigsby at the top of the list, own it. Own godly tendencies. Mm-hmm. Own Ephesians five. 25 before your spouse own it and then model it. I'll tell you what's happened at home. What's happened at home is that I retired from the fix my wife business as Gary Smalley used to tell me all the time. I miss Gary. I know y'all do, but I've retired from the fix my wife business. And instead of this insatiable desire to constantly make excuses and blame, especially blame I pause and I realize that 99.9999% of the time, it's on me Mm. and I need to own it. And that other imp of a percentage is not even worth bringing up. What would happen if us rebel parents would just simply own it and model it? I'll tell you what would happen. We would produce a more authentic child of God growing up in our home and going out into the world. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm not interested in raising black boys. I'm interested in raising godly people who will change the world. Mm -hmm. One fundamental variable is stop blaming other people. Stop expecting other people to do for you what you ought to do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Rise up and be the man mm-hmm. that God has called you to be. Be the woman that God's called you to be. You know there ought to be an expiration date on blaming your folks.
1: Yes. Shut yeah. up and yeah. grow up. <laughs> yep. I'm telling you, we've been talking about that a lot lately. <laughs> yes, and yeah. you know we were talking about that the other day. <laughs> you know I was saying you you need to apologize to your kids. You know I was a really rigid, angry, scared parent when my son was young. And I apologize to him yeah. regularly for that. And someone commenting in the live video was saying, you know, I've been doing that with my daughter. And every now and then she'll be like, you know, well, you made me this way. And I was like, well, yes. And maybe and <laughs> at some point you got to stop blaming me and just be your own person and move on and grow. Yeah, like right. you just have to do that. Yeah. So I got to ask you having 250 million views on YouTube now What's it been like for your kids? You've got kids ages from 18 into their 30s. What's it like for them to have a dad? I understand this from a little bit, but what's it like for them to have this as their dad right now at these ages?
3: I'm so glad you asked that question, and I hope they're listening. The 36-year-old, he and his wife, I hung the moon. All right, they just, they're so thrilled for dad. Mm. The 33-year-old like i hung the moon he and his wife they are so thrilled the 20 year old not exactly sure what's up yeah the 18 year old i'm as dumb as a box of rocks (laughs) now watch this here's the revenge of the lord i couldn't come close to this the 18 year old oh they're all four incredible kids Mm. 18 year old is about to graduate from high school so he's still home his friends come over And his friends want a picture with Dr. Rigsby. Oh, (laughs) man. (laughs) So all of a sudden, I've gone from being an idiot to the cool dad. You hear what I'm saying? yeah, yeah. so I think the kids are really thrilled. I think especially the older ones, they get it from a spiritual perspective. Mm -hmm. They understand that it has nothing to do with their dad, but it is a move of God that god is using their dad and they get that the younger ones if you want the honest truth and ryan i bet you can relate to this i'm just an inconvenience you know we dinner and being interrupted and being the last one to leave and you know dad come on man i mean we don't get it so just give me money when i ask and and just try not to embarrass me in front of my friends they're 18 and
0: 20. yes you know what i mean
3: and so i'm just i'm just being really real with y'all They're so fun. We were just in New York a couple days ago. People were stopping me on the street. I look over my 18-year-old just rolling his eyes. And my wife has to give me therapy every day. And she says the same thing. She says, when they talk about you, when they're in their 40s and 50s, they won't be able to stop crying. I said, well, just give me a glimpse right now. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. help a brother out a little bit right now. Well, and and here's what I know
1: happens, too. Someone stops you, and then you introduce your family, and they turn to your sons. They go, Oh my goodness, it must be so amazing to have a dad like you. I bet your life is perfect because of who your dad is. There's nothing wrong with your life. Everything is roses and unicorns because of your dad. They're like, yeah, Yeah. that's exactly what it's like at home.
3: (laughs) Ryan, 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 Ryan. We're gonna be best friends after this. We're now best friends, that's
0: right. Just give the phone number to your kids.
3: I, I could see them rolling their eyes. It must just be so special to be in your house. You know, they're just going, my, I'm about to vomit.
1: Uh uh (laughs) Totally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they're your kids. That's the great thing. You've got a good perspective of knowing these are just my kids. And to them, I'm just dad. I'm not the one that changed their life. I'm not the one that pulled them out of the pit. I'm not the one that gave them hope when I was hopeless. (laughs) I'm just dad. Yes. Definitely.
3: That's exactly right. So, you know, I remarried and we had more kids. That's why there's that age difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those older ones, they're appreciating every moment. But the 20-year-old and the 18-year-old, you're just, yeah. Yep. Can I just tell you a funny story? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I hope this, in, this encourages somebody out there. You know, the 36-year-old and the 33-year-old, they went through their phase also. But, you know, the older you get, the more you appreciate your folks. The 18-year-old last year is working on a term paper, I think it's on Thurgood Marshall, who argued Mm -hmm. successfully for Brown versus Board of Education, 1954. This is the area that I taught in. This is the part of American history that I researched, published in, right? And so I asked my 18-year-old, I said, what are you working on? He said, working on a term paper for Thurgood Marshall. I said, hey, you know, your daddy's published in that area. You know what he told me? He said, uh, Dad, listen, this is AP history. This is probably a little beneath you. Oh, and <laughs> oh no.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Wow. I'm sorry. He said, this is probably a little bit above you is what he said. And, like, oh, and thank, I just went, uh-huh. oh, my gosh. Think about mm-hmm. where you guys were at 18, right? Yep. yep. And I know that someday they'll appreciate it. But I will tell you this. They know a move of God when they see a move of God. Yeah. And no matter how much they're inconvenienced and no matter how much they roll their eyes, they know a move of God. And I'll tell you one other thing that is God has spoken to me. What good is it, son, to have two hundred and fifty million views and act like hell at all?
0: Yes. So you make Amen. sure
3: you minister at home first. Yep. Because I can take it away from you just as easily as I open yep, that door. Yep, yep. And every parent listening you need to listen first. Deuteronomy six four is very clear. Your first priority is to model it at home.
1: Mm, I love that, man. I do. I love that. Okay, I got one more before we go. Cause in the video you talked about. To leave? I know. <laughs> I can do this all day. I can do this all day. We got to figure out a way to do something together, too. We just got to do that at some point. It would be too much. Fun. That, where are you was, in Texas? That would be a highlight. Where do you live in Texas? No, I'm in Dallas, Texas. Oh. Oh. Are you going to be home next week?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're coming to Dallas. We're coming next to
1: Dallas week. on Thursday. I'll we'll be there Thursday through Monday. Yeah. I'll be in Southern California oh, all day. Oh, Ooh, bummer. That's where we're from originally. We're in Listen, Colorado. We're going
3: to figure it out because I want to tell the listeners these folks are the real deal. Oh. And you just keep listening to this podcast, and Mm. they are the real deal. I have fallen in love with both of you guys. Oh, my goodness. And uh, y'all are just the genuine folks, just trying to be a voice of reason to a generation that is getting bombarded with a lot of wrong information. Thank you so so much. I have become your biggest fan, literally and figuratively.
1: Mm. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I appreciate it (laughs) so, so much, so much. Okay, before we go then, I want you to talk about ego because I want my kids to be proud of themselves. So I we'll want them to have a healthy self-esteem. But you talk about – give me the line. Ego is the
3: – Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Yes. That's from the oh. famous philosopher Anonymous. Yep. And so my father would say this, and this is a great balance for parents. You know, he would say, son, you must have confidence. Healthy confidence comes from God Almighty. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. understanding who you are in the word, Ephesians 1. It's not based on what the label is on your clothes. It's based on Ephesians 1. So, Daddy, how do I keep my head? I mean, I'm in television. Things are happening rapidly. And I remember asking him, how do I keep my head about me? He said these words. He said, make sure your servant's towel is always bigger than your ego. Oh. There, uh, right near where you grew up and your father knows him, Ryan, it was John Wooden and one of the greatest yep. oh, yeah. coaches in the history of basketball, if not all Amen. Sports. Yes. And what many of your listeners may not know is that he got paid to coach basketball, but his calling was the impact lives. And he did it yeah. in a very simple way. All those, despite all those national championships, He was found during the course of a week going into the custodian's closet and getting a push broom and sweeping his own gym floor. You want to make an impact? You want to keep your ego in check? Go find a broom. Can I give you a vivid example of how these parts have changed me? So, you know, when you fly a lot, you get status. And when you get status, you get to go first on the airplane, right? As (laughs) if it's going to leave you. You ought to see the way I used to (laughs) walk on the airplane like, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> pretty Ricky baby. And yep. <laughs> my, I started hearing my father's words, son, Just a couple of years ago, make sure your servant's towel is bigger than your ego. Guess what I do these days, you guys at every gate, there's probably going to be one or two, one of two types of people, a mother with too many bags or an elderly person or a person that's disabled trying to negotiate a bag and a cane. And mm-hmm. that becomes my congregation. And so the words, make sure your servant's towel is bigger than your ego, keeps the ego in such a check that now you're functioning in the confidence of Ephesians 1, as opposed to appeasing the sensibilities of people you don't even know by catering Mm -hmm. to your flesh. (laughs) It's an ongoing work.
1: Yeah, it, it, is. it, it sure is. It is, it is, it is. Oh, totally. Wow. Man, Dr. Rick, thank you so much for coming on today and for staying true to your word and for preaching the word and for giving people hope in a time where lots of people feel so hopeless. We yes. just appreciate it so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you both of you and I won't be satisfied until I hug both your necks. I love y'all. I Amen. support you. I'll be praying for y'all. I can't wait to meet you face to face.
1: Oh, we too. Awesome. Bless God bless. Thank you so much. God bless y'all. Have bye a bye. good one. Bye bye. Oh, was I right or was I right? Because I was right. That was so much fun. I had all the fun on that podcast. I am such a fan of Dr. Rick Rigsby. Wow. Thank you so much to him for coming on the podcast today. Thanks to our sponsors, the voice of the martyrs at persecution.com, helping those being persecuted for more than 50 years around the world, and Blinkist. 15-minute summaries of nonfiction books. I have read so many of their Blinks, these little 15-minute either written or audio. You can just listen to it on on your way to work. You can listen to it after you listen to Rebel Parenting, or you can read the 15-minute summaries of nonfiction books. And it lets you know whether you want to read the whole book or if you've gotten all you need from it. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Rebel Parenting. God bless Rebels. We'll see you soon.
0: Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House, and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting—and everyone does—you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word Rebel to 444999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another
3: episode of Rebel Parenting.